Hello and welcome back to the Round Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunter, and joining me this week, like every week, is Sports Media's number one, Joel Linton correspondent, number one, it's Mr. Mike Meslin. <laughs> Hello. And to his immediate left on the computer screen is the UK's number one, number one, Shepherd's Pie enthusiast, it's Mr. David Harris. Oh, uh, hi, Will. Uh, I wondered how long I could keep that under wraps. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, big into the Shepherd's Pie. Dave, let me ask you a question that's been on the lips of all the fans ever since they heard you were podcasting. Shepherd's Pie or Cottage Pie? It's got to be Shepherd's Pie. Why? Just prefer the lamb, really. Yeah, okay, okay. You said, until someone tells me, I never know which meat's which. Dave, keep moving on to pies, because obviously you've got a a long and varied history of being associated with the pucker pie, mainly because... Oh, great. Memory, because when we were in school, people used to say to you, "Je jouais au poker pie," which is very yeah, but basically because I was fat. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was more because you said things in a brummy accent. But there we are. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyway, Dave, what's your favourite type of pie? Is it the shepherd's pie? Ah, uh, it's got to be like steak and ale or something like that. That's always strong. S- steak and ale, steak and Guinness, something like that. It's usually solid pie. Hold on. Hold on. Solid pie? <laughs> yeah, it's usually really good. Is that what you want in a pie? A pie. <laughs> oh, you mean a solid pie is in it? It's good. Yeah, it's in it. Not a solid good. pie. No, it? no, no, no. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Mike, what's your favourite type of pie? Yeah, I'd probably go for a steak pie, to be fair. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Fair One of these days, I'm just going to open this podcast and we're not going to talk about football. We're just going to sit here and I'm going to ask you a question like uh, if you had to do it, if you had to like be in the Olympics and fake at being in the Olympics, what sport would you pick? Like, I mean, that's an interesting question for another podcast. Pole vault. Any... Pole vault. How are you faking the pole, pole vault? vault. <laughs> it would just be funny, wouldn't it? No, no, you, the idea is you've got to try and get away with oh, it. Oh, like, right. Okay. You've, got to, you've got to be, oh, people, right. people have got to be like, people have got to be like, oh, right, I get it. I've never seen it. it before, but he's had a bad day. Like, oh, But clearly, like, he sort of knows what he's doing. But how do you do something like long jump or triple jump? Can we do winter? Just, just... Winter Olympics? Summer. <laughs> I wanted because... to be out in the curling, to be honest. Oh, That's... you just do a bit of sweeping? Yeah. <laughs> That's I fine. Can... Everyone knows how to sweep. Is is the winter winter Olympics the one where they shoot? Yeah, they do a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, they not, do they shoot the winter skiing and then they shoot, don't they? What's oh, I know called? they shoot in the normal Olympics. Let us know, whatever that's called. Let us know. <laughs> if you know if shooting's in the summer Olympics, email us. That's it. It is. It oh. is in the summer one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, while we're on the subject, dressage, I think, is the answer. Yeah, like, like you get on the horse. Imagine you can't even you, get on the horse. Imagine yeah, the scene. You get on up. No, they, they've got stools for a man of my limited height. They can get me up there. <laughs> like, you just like get on the horse. You give it a little kick. It's all fine. That's how these things work, isn't it? Anyway, um, Mike's, <laughs> Mike's like, uh, Mike says to me, I've got to go off to play football at nine. And what do I do? I, uh, I arrive for the podcast later, then sidetrack us. Um, right, let's talk about some of the old uh, football, eh? God. Football, bloody hell, what a sport. I've um, done that for a couple of weeks, in fairness, so that's good. Oh, yeah. Well, not recent football, at least. Uh, let's start. Uh, the obvious place seems to be to start with the cup final. Um, terrible game, lads. Yeah. I, yes, it wasn't really a game, was it, in fairness? No. Um, anyone playing uh, in and around bingo, here's the XG for you. 
Uh, Spurs created 0.04 expected goals in that game. So, yeah, not really a, not really a, uh, to be honest, it did have me quite interested for a while just because City was so much, so dominant. It was like, if they don't score, Kane is actually going to come up with something and, and, and win this somehow for Spurs. Totally against the run of play. Speaking of Harry Kane, no way he was fit, right? He, he was not fit, no. He was he was running around. <clears throat> I was, I don't, like, I, should I we guess. be annoyed at him for this? I think we should because this is the this is the second time now that Harry Kane's done this in a final for Spurs. I get wanting to play, but and like if yeah. and the man, I know the manager's like, look, Harry told me he was fit, but this is also a bloke that swore on his daughter's life that he touched a ball as it was going over the line at Stoke, and he didn't. So like he's not <laughs> he's not a trustworthy person. Like let's you can tell that's something you went for that well. Yeah. <laughs> no, I won't do. Yeah. Like, I'm risk your child's life. I, I don't know whether it, it cost them the game, really, because essentially it made no difference that they didn't have a fit striker. But you would think that whatever... I mean, having Kane in your team maybe makes you more likely to win, but also having 11 fit players probably makes you slightly more likely to win, even than having Kane a half-fit Kane in there. I don't know. Well, well, I mean, if you don't play Kane, I mean, you can probably play Bale and you could probably be even more reliant on trying to hit them on the counter because... Harry Kane's not—he's—he's he's not the most dynamic in terms of athleticism as you can get for playing on the counter. But certainly, if he's injured, it's going to hurt you even more. Dave, um, obviously, Ryan Mason um, mm-hmm. pointed last week, uh, do you, and I, I, hes, I hesitate to criticise someone who's in his second ever game against the, one of the greatest coaches ever. Yeah. Is it weird that? Much was made about him bringing Bale back into the fold and playing all his best attackers in the Southampton game. And Bale obviously scored. And then for him to sort of revert to type and not play Bale and sort of play a bit more conservative. Yeah, I mean, I do sympathise with him because if they went all guns blazing and got absolutely smacked, he would get destroyed. Like, no one, I don't think anyone thought they would beat this Man City team. Um, and I think if you go out Man City, you just ask. I mean, a team like Spurs, who we already know aren't great at the back, it's just asking for trouble. So I I understand why he didn't. Yeah, he made changes. I think I think and like even Mourinho or whoever was in charge would have made similar changes. Mention the Mourinho name. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend that if you've got Mourinho in charge, you win this game. You probably lose this game. But mm. Mourinho is the only person to have ever beaten Pep in a cup final. So from an, from a Tottenham perspective, Dave, it's a bit odd to dismiss him before a cup final. Yeah, I mean, I've seen things floating around on, on Twitter, people saying why they think he was like basically dismissed at this time, something to do with like bonuses and, and whatever where they are in the league. But I think from a footballing decision, certainly strange. Mourinho, obviously, as much as, much as you hate to say it, it's fair to say he's on a pretty big decline in his career, but you still have him down as like a a one-off game sort of manager. And you, you, you trust him. No, you trust him to, oh, I, I don't trust to him have a plan. 
Do you know well, I trust more than? Do you know why you don't trust him, Mike? Because you've been mashing pictures of the job centre on Instagram. I've I've seen you. Do you know what's interesting though? I trust him more than a rookie coach who's in his second ever game. Yeah, this is my, <laughs> no, that this is is my true. point. Yeah. Like, why did they give the final to a to guy who's just been doing his coaching badges, basically? But particularly Mike and like first they haven't won a trophy, which incidentally is the League Cup since two thousand and eight. And we've talked about that. Everyone's talked about at years like Pep and both Mourinho have said that the League Cup spurs their sides on to win more, and it gives them that taste, and that's why they value it so much. Doesn't it just show you almost everything you need to know about Tottenham and the way that Levy runs the joint that he sort of dismissed Mourinho and left Mason in charge? Yeah, I think that was. Uh, I mean, it's well documented. I don't like Mourinho, but that was a totally bizarre decision uh, in the week leading up to a cup final. Which, by the way, he did get them to. Yeah. But whatever we think about Mourinho, he did get them there. Yeah. I'd... The thing is, I, I don't know. I don't know where where Spurs go next. The no. squad is strange for any sort of manager really to come in, and particularly if Kane and Son want to leave. I'm I'm sure Levy won't let them go for anything less than what he wants for them. But. It, they're in a strange position now. I, I thought Mourinho would go at the end of the season. I thought that was fairly obvious. That mm-hmm. they'd at least give him the shot to make to win this game and maybe make the top four, uh, and then you can decide then. Because they're still not awfully far away f- from the top four. I, I don't no. think they'll make it. I no. don't think they would have, and I still don't think they will. But it seemed a very, very strange decision to me. I don't I'm not sure if there was something else, yeah, monetary or political That's or be whatever it. behind it. There's got to be something else going on because he wasn't the right man for Spurs ever, I didn't think. But no, it, it was always an odd appointment, and you, you did get you uh, you got the sense that it was Daniel Levy wanted that absolute. He was thinking from a businessman's perspective, and like it or not, Mourinho's box office. And Mourinho brings in new stadium superstar manager, the big name. Um, brings more you got your documentary going on. Yeah, it gets you into um, a failed Super League. Um, so, obviously, with everything with Spurs sort of has to be viewed through the prism of there are managerless, really. Um, Ryan Mason's not getting the job, and nor should he be offered the job. The only, look, the only way a rookie coach should ever be offered the job is if he wins a Champions League and FA Cup double in a season after being appointed in January. But that's not for everyone. Um, <laughs> But particularly not Tottenham. Um, so the sort of the ones they're sort of like hinting at are Sari, um, Ten Hag, Graham Potter's been mentioned, Eddie Howe's been mentioned, Max Allegri's been mentioned. But I'm going to cross that one off right now because if Max Allegri, serial winner, winner goes to Tottenham, that is like a match made in hell. I think. I don't think he'll go there, but that's who they should look at. I think. Why? Well, exactly what you just said. He actually wins things. But in terms in terms of footballing style, he's similar to Mourinho than any of these other coaches. All these other coaches play an attractive, an attractive, an attacking, <laughs> sorry, an attacking, attractive, positive style of play with a lot of focus on dominating the ball. Yeah, the I, Tottenham I way. Yeah, which I, I do think they should get back to. So, so I. Which, yeah, I do think they should get back to. So maybe I'm totally wrong, but I can't see Sarri 
in charge at Spurs. That just seems bizarre to me. That he's, one. Got, he's got no love for the Chelsea fans, so there you are. <laughs> um, Dave, of those of that collective, who who do you think's most likely? I think realistically for Spurs, to be honest, someone like Graham Potter, Eddie Howe. I'd, more because, yeah, I'd be pretty annoyed at Ten Hag if he, he threw away Ajax to go to, to Tottenham. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, I've obviously seen thrown around. Yeah. He would be a madman to swap Leicester for Spurs, I personally think. Um, Mike, Mike's put Nagelsmann. Um <laughs> He's 7-1, mate. He's 7-1. If, if Nagelsmann went to Spurs, Mike... Um, well, I'm, I'm giving you shocked. that. That's, that's no, no, I'm just saying. If, if I can't, like, what I'm saying is, top. Can't see it either be, for what it's worth. Well, they need to. They need to be realistic of where they are as a club, and if they somehow picked up, I would say probably one of the hottest prospects in management. I'd be, I'd be pretty shocked. <laughs> I think, but how and how and Potter make like a stylistic. Um, I. Like they make sense for me for what I imagine a Tottenham team being, which is usually attacking and and taking game to most teams. So months ago, I sat here and I said that I thought Graham Potter would be fantastic for Spurs simply because of the way the way his teams attack. I think is and the way the, the way he's particularly the way he uses the wings. I think is absolutely perfect for a team that's got unreal talent and human son, but also it's got good some good other players like Lucas Moore and things like that. So I think he'd be a great fit. Eddie Howe, I'm not so convinced by. But the thing is, if I'm these, if I'm in the Tottenham squad, I've had Maurizio Pochettino, who I know he came as a, a relative unknown, but by the time he left, we're talking like a top, uh, certainly a top 10 manager in the world. You can maybe say higher. And then you've got Mourinho, who like it or not, even if he's on the decline, has won everything there is to win. If you follow up Mourinho with Eddie Howe, recently relegated from Bournemouth, and maybe Graham Potter, who spent this season, albeit unfairly, in a relegation scrap, what kind of message does that send to the squad, Mike? That is exactly the problem that Levy has left himself in now with that Mourinho appointment in particular. He kind of needs to, to appoint a name mm-hmm. because the squad are going to want a name if they're going to be happy sticking around and whatever. Particularly for the likes of Kane and Son, who are probably considering their future anyway. We've obviously heard the reports about Kane. And yet, you would want to see, if I was Harry Kane and Son, I was going to commit more time to Spurs. You'd want to see the likes of Ten Hag, Allegri, maybe Brendan Rodgers, Nagelsmann, that sort of class of manager coming in Mm -hmm. with a more exciting brand of football, who's going to play to the strengths of the likes of Kane and Son again. Um, and yeah, I think that is the issue, is that a smart appointment would be a Graham Potter, even a Scott Parker, that sort of ilk. I get what you're um, saying. But I don't know if he can actually do that. I don't I th- actually think he can. I think if they're he in wants a re- to keep this squad around, I, I, I don't think you can. They're in a really unique position here, because it's sort of like, in a way, they need to do what they did with Maurizio Potter. Pochettino in a way, in that they need to take they need to take a chance on a manager who's who seems really promising, but the other big clubs aren't absolutely buying the head off, which is why I, I think Rogers would be absolutely perfect. But I can't see for the life of me why he'd 
leave Leicester. Um, Sari's interesting, but I don't agree. But Ten Hag's fascinating because yeah, that is a good one actually that I haven't seen till earlier. Because if you think about it, like we we all watched him do wonders with like let's be honest, a couple of real stars, but surrounding of like average players, kind of a similar makeup to Tottenham squad now in a way. Um, yeah. In terms of you've got those two absolutely diamond world-class talents and then you've got, well, if Son's world-class, you can debate. Probably not. Um, but then you've got a talented but underperforming rest of the squad. Um, but for me, I thought I always thought Ten Hag was probably going to go to Barcelona. I thought it was just the obvious path and that's what he should be waiting on for. But now the feeling at Barcelona is that Xavi is just waiting Xavi's to take the reins. He could. He would probably be tempted at looking for a club like Spurs, and to, I think that's a really exciting and interesting appointment. The good thing for Spurs is, with after Pochettino's stock going from well, he was the Southampton manager, wasn't he, all the way through to now he he leaves there and walks into the PSG job. You you've seen the template for what you can do at a club like Spurs if you want yeah. to build your CV and then move on. <laughs> it would be a nice stepping stone for someone like Ten Hag to go in there turns the ship around while they rebuild a little bit yeah. and then move on to wherever Barcelona if it became available or whatever yeah because the thing for Ten Hag and I'm sorry any Dutch football fans but this is just a matter of fact like you winning uh, the Dutch league with Ajax frankly has a limit to how impressive that is Mm-hmm. Um, to the rest of Europe, particularly the big clubs. Now, the semi-final in the Champions League was was huge, but that was a few years ago now, and footballs are very much a "what have you done for me lately" kind of thing. So I just think I think that is best of both worlds. That said, I quite like that. If you can get Rogers, then get Rogers, but as well, but yeah. I don't think I don't know why he would go from Leicester to Spurs. To be honest, honestly, I, I can't see a reason. If you can get Brendan Rodgers, this entire conversation is irrelevant because you should get Brendan <laughs> Rodgers. Like when when we sat Lampard and they were going, they were going, oh maybe Brendan Rodgers. I was thinking, I was thinking, I quite like Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't like a sack in Lampard, but I do like Brendan Rodgers just because I can just go beautiful, beautiful man. Because he <laughs> used to do that Colo Torre. Um, Dave, obviously, any conversation with Tottenham's future after the manager then moves on to. Harry Kane and his future. He said, I think it was three years ago, if he hadn't won trophies by the time he was 27, that would be a real disappointment. He's 27. He's not won any mm. trophies. Um, can you see, do you think Harry Kane's the type of person that puts in a transfer request? I'd like him to, for sure. He, Yeah, he should get out of Spurs. However, I think it's pretty clear that he enjoys being at Spurs, it would seem, and also he's been there for such a long time. Um, I think, I think, if it got to a point where his and like Levy's uh, relationship broke down, then he would do it as like a last resort. But I don't think, basically, I don't think he would hand it in unless something went wrong in their talks about it. Basically, it would be like a last resort action for him. I think. He doesn't strike me as the sort of player to try and force himself out unless he gets put in a position where he doesn't want to be at the club anymore at all. Remind me, how many more years has he got on his contract? Does anyone know? Three. Isn't it three, three years? I thought it was four. So three, he's got three, four. son's got two. So oh, he'll okay. so he'll be 30 by the time he's out of that contract. What's interesting for Harry yeah. Kane is... Famous son. 
we all we all assume that even though his knees have had a bit of an injury, we assume that he's he's sort of re he's sort of changed his game in a way where he's going to be able to keep playing. But mm-hmm. you get the sense that at twenty seven, that's the last time someone's going to put in serious money for him. Um, yeah, at least that is for me, Mike. Do you see that happening this summer, particularly with the pandemic and things, other factors? Yeah, that's going to be the big problem, isn't it? That we know. I said it earlier that Levy's not going to settle for anything less than his asking price. He's done it before and he'll continue to do it. And this, at 27, this is your chance now. It's it's totally his peak. And yeah, like you say, Will, clubs are becoming smarter. They want to buy younger with more of the future ahead of them. Kane's run out of time, essentially, for someone to go, here's 120 million or whatever it will cost to, to get Kane out of Spurs. Maybe yeah. more. Two forty, trouble it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, uh, yeah. I think he is running out of time. I think if you want to leave Harry Kane, now is now's your chance. Maybe not your mm-hmm. chance, but this is basically the two in the market: him and Harland. Someone's going to get Harland, and everyone else will be after Kane. It's if, really if he says he wants to leave. It's really interesting because you look at the buyers for Harry Kane, and again, you you are looking at that absolutely top class player market like we know Real Madrid like Real Madrid like I'm not particularly convinced about Harry Kane's marketability which is why it's the same with Harlem that's why you keep hearing about Mbappe to Madrid and Mbappe to Madrid because he is the the next global superstar that they're going to be able to market so I can't see I can't see him at Real Madrid can't see him at Barcelona. What I can't, where I can see him is either at City or United, just because I think City need City need that goal scorer. They it was clear as day in the final. They just need that lethal number nine again. And um, United want to be a title challenger again. That's what they want. Like that. And the quickest way to do that is to go and buy someone who guarantees you what 30, 40 goals a season. Just go and buy him. Just go and buy him. <laughs> Yeah, that, that Barney Ronay tweet that you shared to us, Will, was yeah. quite funny. This is this is basically Harry Kane versus a team that has everything except Harry Kane, which is yeah. obviously the, the Carabao Cup. But I did enjoy that a lot. It, it is really funny how Pep got told up. Was it Pep who said it's the Harry Kane team about Spurs? And everyone was like, everyone was like, it's not the Harry Kane team. And then all of a sudden, it's the Harry Kane team. Just it literally things. is. Have you seen his stats for this season? Played 30 in the league, 21 goals, 13 assists. Yeah. Here's um here's here's a spoiler for a few weeks time when we do our awards. Harry Kane's my player of the year. Comfortably, I don't know how you can pick anyone else. Comfortably, no, no. comfortably, I'm ready to argue he's with done anyone. That, he's done that in a bang average Spurs team at best. Yeah, he's he's absolutely brilliant. Um, which is a shame. Let's let's move on. <laughs> let's move on from Spurs. Um, well, Harry Kane, if you want to, you want to win us a Euros, I will I will buy an England shirt with your name on the back. Which will um, I'll really, ha- I'll really, ha- I'll really hate doing it, but I will do it. There you are. Um, it's it's on the airwaves now. Yeah, yeah, I will do it. Um, let's move on to another team with an underperforming Portuguese manager. Um, <laughs> oh, what a segue! Unbelievable. <laughs> Ruined it now, of course. Ryan um, Mason's just looked at his passport like, hey. <laughs> no, excuse me, Eric Dyer runs that team. Um. <laughs> Jetson Fernandez is he still there? He, Fernandez, I hope that, not. He's, he's got to be in like the Turkish league now. He really does. Um, yeah. So, Dave, you've been sort of me and Mike sort of sit there and we're like, like yeah, Wolves are good. <laughs> yeah, Wolves are good. And then I sort of looked up 
And I think Brez had done this earlier, and I was like, oh, you know what? Wolves aren't good. Wolves are not good. Wolves Turns are out. not good. <laughs> you know that, remember that podcast we did last year about Wolves perhaps breaking the European elite? Yeah. <laughs> In the Premier League? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that yeah. was wrong, wasn't it? Um, uh, okay, so, Dave, what's really what's gone wrong with Wolves, really, this season? Um, I think, basically, that they had like a style and they had a set of players and they were it was all working perfectly and they were all overachieving as a group. This season's been difficult. Obviously, they sold Jota at the start of the season, who's probably their best, I'd say their best winger. Um, obviously, Jimenez's injury can't really be understated. That The whole way they play is fit, is literally crafted to Jimenez's strengths. Um, so for example, when they're trying to play Fabio Silva and now Willie and Jose, the players are still trying to play like it's Raul Jimenez up top. I mean, don't get me wrong. Raul Jimenez is far better than those two strikers in my opinion. So like, we're talking, to talking to absolute top, top player in the Premier League when we're talking yeah. about Jimenez. Jimenez. Let's, make, let's make no mistake. Um, also Adama Traore frauded everyone into thinking that he could be reliable <laughs> and has returned to being the guy that's rapid will beat five men, but then his pass won't, his cross won't beat the first man. So, and also getting rid of Doherty, even though he's not been a good signing for Spurs, really, it's, he's still proven to be a big miss, I would say, for, for Wolves. Um, And I think also the fact that they haven't tried to replace Moutinho, who as much as I've loved Moutinho for the last few years, he has no legs. And Ruben Neves, despite not being very old, I don't actually think he's developed as a player since they came up. And he's also slow. So they're leaving themselves really... It's just a team that has no legs other than the wingers, basically. And it, it yeah. really punishes them well, because of the way they try to play. I wrote a piece about Wolves losing earlier on in the season on the site. One of the five things I wrote in the column at the time was about how I lo- I'd looked at the running stats and that midfield two had barely run at all. Um, however, Mike, if you had to sum up Nuno's team in like three separate adjectives, what would you use? The classic Nuno Wolves. What would you use? The, what, the one that like beat Man City? Yeah, you know, the, the one you think of. The one you think of if you take this season out of the equation. It's uh, a good question. Have we got our, our doc handy from last year? What, <laughs> what did I describe them as last year? Uh, they were smart. Uh, they were well drilled. Mm-hmm. Um, Hardworking? Yeah, I think so. Because the reason I ask is because immediately in my head, I, I, I like you, I would have said smart, well drilled and hardworking, to be honest. And watching them play Burnley at the weekend and watching a team that sauntering around the pitch and making error after error error at the back. I mean, I've seen plenty of teams sort of go off the boil, but that's really concerning when you're forgetting the basics, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. you can't lose to Burnley, but you certainly can't lose 4-0. Oh, four nil. At home. At home. Come on, guys. I mean, what are we actually doing here now? The, the Wolves that I remember last year, we talk about like this being smart and well drilled. From what I remember, they won a lot of tight games. They came out on the right side of a lot of games. And you take out Jimenez, you take out Jota, who obviously they sold, and Doherty even. There's three of the starts from last year. Now, you can try and replace these guys. 
Um, but it's going to be very difficult to do straight away. And they they seem to just be coming out on the wrong side of them. And then, yeah, like you say, at the weekend, they were just horrendous. I, I, I don't know what team that was that turned up, but it wasn't the Wolves that I remember. Certainly not. Dave, you've written, you wrote an ad, you wrote an ad doc a while ago. Well, you wrote in our group channel and I doc just talking about how you think Nuno's time is probably almost up at Wolves. Do you want to talk us through your reasoning? It's more, it's, yeah, like, like we say with Nuno's Wolves, obviously to even talk about them so highly for the last, I don't know, four or five seasons, he's overall done a great job, but it just sort of feels like whatever he's, whatever he was doing that's working isn't anymore. And he doesn't really have any sort of way out of it because we, we come on this podcast and we criticize managers for not having a style. Nuno has a very clear style and I don't think he'll change from it. The thing that really concerned me with Nuno as well is there have been games, especially the one at the weekend where the players look like they don't care. And with Wolves, Whenever I think of a Wolves team, even like Mick McCarthy's relegation strugglers, those players cared. Like, I've never seen a Wolves team turn up to a game before and not... They literally didn't try. So, I think there could be a few factors. I know Adama, for example, has had like a contract... Like... um, Dispute. Dispute all season. Maybe there's stuff going on behind the scenes that is impacting them, but it just sort of feels that they're on a decline to a point where, let's be honest, if some of the teams at the bottom weren't as bad as they are, Wolves, Wolves could be in a relegation scrap right now. Yeah, they could. So, yeah, it's... Well, they've, they've got 41 points, so they're probably, they'd be safe in most seasons, but but I know what you're saying. They're, they're yeah, they're, they've they not be been... Yeah. This I, is but, the sort of trend that carries across seasons. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard to get out of this sort of stuff. I can I could see them basically starting horribly next season, and if that happens, that would be the end of Nuno, I think. How how much of this, Mike, is so? Like Dave says, Nuno has a style. They've been in the Premier League now. This is their third season. Do you reckon it's a case of teams finding them out, or is it just it's not clicking? Players aren't playing to their potential. That is probably a little bit the case. Everyone's obviously gets smarter and wiser to what you're trying to do. And if, if you're not going to adapt, at least tweak little things, um, then, yeah, teams are going to work you out. I do think a lot of the players are underperforming in there as well. And maybe that's due to lack... I don't want to call people out on lack of effort, but from what we saw at the weekend, that was horrific stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think there are a lot of people underperforming. I don't think... For example, I don't think we're getting the best out of Connor Cody. Willie Bolly's shown he can be a lot better at this level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Neves, we mentioned, he's he's fine, isn't he? Traore's been nothing like what he was last year. There's just a lot of players who are not playing anything like what they were last season. Dave, obviously problems mm. tactically problems with the manager problems with the players mm-hmm. but how much how much of a blame for a bad season like this has to go to whoever's in control control of transfers at wars because you look, yes. at, their, you look at their summer business yeah. and it is it's pretty Woeful. interesting isn't it so yeah got rid of doherty for i remember at the time thinking even in this climate obviously we know transfer fees are reduced compared to what they have been 
I, I still thought, wow, you know, one of their key players for, for a good few years now, not much money for him. I, I can understand Jota. I, I don't get, I think they got a decent enough fee. And I, I feel when you're a club like Wolves, if a team like Liverpool, who've just won the league come calling, you can't really stop a player from going No. Um, in their defence. However, signing Nelson Semedo, strange. Um, not that I watch Barcelona lots, but you get a reaction of fans. And um, I remember when it was linked, like Barcelona fans were basically saying like, oh, please take him. And that's usually a sign that someone isn't particularly good. And I think he's shown to be inconsistent. And Fabio Silva as well, 40 million or whatever, and an unproven 18-year-old especially in this climate, is absolutely wild for a club like Wolves to do. Criminal. I mean, the thing is with Fabio Silva is, as soon as Jimenez went down, you were like, oh God, they're they're really screwed because they haven't got an experienced backup. And you could see see how wrong they got it. But so often people use January transfer windows to to cover injuries or correct what went wrong in the summer in a way. Mm -hmm. There's short-term gaps. Like William Jose, experienced striker coming in from La Liga, to really be that focal point that they'd expected him and his to be and they'd expected to have Fabio Silva learn under him and they sort of like Fabio Silva was thrust right in the deep end at the wrong time it's just a just a really bad transfer policy mm. feels like anyway um speaking of bad teams with bad transfer policies <laughs> we go again we're going to talk move on to some of the teams that are going down because we want to rate their chances of coming back up so let's assume for the purposes of this because I think I know things can change. It's looking West Brom and Sheffield United look pretty much gone, and we're imagining that Fulham go too. Mm-hmm. Um, although they're just raring to kickstart their um, their survival bid with a win away to Chelsea this weekend. I know <laughs> it. Absolutely know it. Ugh, God, that would be, it'd be horrible. That would it really would. Um, of those three teams, Mike, who would you fancy most to come back up at the first shot? I know it's the obvious answer, but Fulham, I think, are definitely in the best bet. If they can keep Why? hold of Scott Parker, um, I've, I've actually turned out, I, I think he's actually quite a decent manager, which I, which if you heard our podcast before this season, where it was certainly not the case. I've, yeah, I've um, ruined them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll eat a bit of humble pie there. I think he's done a decent job, although they have lost four of their last five in the league, so... But they do play some really nice football. I, it, I hope that will translate back down into the championship. Yeah. Obviously, we know it's a little bit different down there. They've got some good players. Really good players. Whether they can keep hold of some of them is, is another question. We'll have to see. But I think <clears throat> they would be my pick. I know they're, they're the one in 18th, so it's kind of the easy out. But that, I think that would be everyone's pick, to be honest. Because there are some other teams in the league who you think... They're actually Fulham are actually probably better play better stuff than you do, but yeah. Fulham have not picked up points where they might have, and that's going to cost them, and they'll probably go down. Mm-hmm. Dave, do you agree with Mike on terms of um, Fulham? I'm going to say West Brom to be honest, just because West Brom as they are now, I can't imagine Allardyce doing anything other than a masterclass in the Championship. To be do you, honest, do you think he stays? Yeah, I'm saying if he stays, regardless of if he stays or not, West Brom have a an advantage for me because they have a team that got promoted and most of the players are still there. 
So it's the same crop of players. And with West Brom, they're one of those teams that play a style of football that works great in the championship, but they don't have the quality to translate it to the Prem. They're not going to have to change how they play. It's just they get will be given a lot more time on the ball than they get given in the Prem, for example, and they'll be able to, to basically play their style of football more. Um, and West Brom... I mean, they're obviously crap because they keep getting relegated. But from a championship point of view, they show how good they are because they get promoted all the bloody time. Mm. Um, I think, and the thing with Fulham is, I think they have a few really good players that will get taken. And also players like Luckman and Marja, for example, who are actually now like really key to them, are actually on loan. So they're definitely losing them anyway. Okay. Do you you can use... You see Mateus Pereira, for example, staying at West Brom. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because to be honest, if if you look at that West Brom team, he's he's by far and away the best player. And yes, he's had statistically he's contributed to a lot of goals. And you could argue, oh, he's you know against Chelsea, he got like two goals, two assists, uh, and in other games he's. To be fair, we were, pl- abs- we were playing with nine men. <laughs> he's almost absent, but. I think he has proven that he's a pretty good player. I just think Fulham... Uh, one player at Fulham who I think is quality is in Guisa, and I, I don't think they'll keep him. Um, I don't know. Both of those teams, to be honest, I, I think are good. I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if they both come straight back up. Mm-hmm. Mike, to be honest. you wanted to jump in. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, we, we had the similar sort of discussion about Norwich, Bournemouth, Watford last season and uh, not many of their players got poached in the end which I thought yeah. was interesting because there was a lot of players Buendia, Puki, etc. Et I'm How... amazed Buendia is still there. Some of the Watford players, Al Pedro, they're all still they're all still Ismail there. Ismail like, Sar. Honestly, yeah, loads I... of rumours about Sar. How, <laughs> I can't, to this day, I cannot believe I mean, so, maybe that was the COVID plan, plan. Who who knows what? Yeah, I think that, that may have saved all, them. They've all ended up staying. Obviously, we're going to get on to the promoted teams in a in a minute. But I wonder what it will be like this summer. Whether teams will pull them apart, go for Matthias Pereira, the likes of. Um, and I also just wanted to give a quick shout out to my boy David McGoldrick, top scorer for Sheffield United on seven. He scored seven out of their eighteen league yep. goals, so let's let's just shout him out there. That what a boy! Do, that'll do nicely. Um, in, so obviously Sheffield finished top half last year, and now they're going down. Been a tumultuous season. Obviously, you're not picking them. Why are you steering clear? Is it just the fact that Chris Wilder's gone? Yeah, uh, that doesn't help. Um, wait, who's their manager? Paul Heckingbottom. Yeah, he's shocking. Probably Wait, he's their actual manager right no, now. No, no, he's just interim, I believe. Oh my god. Uh yeah, well that'll be part of the reason then. Um not a huge fan of their squad. Despite obviously what they did last year. I think we we were just talking about it with Wolves. Runs like this is, um, they've lost twenty six out of thirty three in the league. Yeah. These are so hard to get out of. Once you get into a, a run of losing games, it's it's gonna be pretty hard to turn this around. They might be like a Huddersfield. I don't know if you remember when Huddersfield had a good first season, went down uh, the second year, and then they almost went straight through into mm-hmm. League One. I think this could be another case of, of similar to Huddersfield, sadly. Dave, Dave, you want to jump in? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to say I think Sheffield United will finish bottom half of the championship. The squad's really not good. Uh, Chris Wilder was like a coach above anyone they could hope to like recruit. I, I don't know who takes that job. Um, big club in a big city. But but also they're um, it's more of a players. They've been on. They've been battered for a whole season. How do they recover? Is, is what I'm thinking. It's yeah, it's gonna be really tough for them. Like Ollie McBurney, for example, last time when, he's proven that in the championship he's good, but he has been shocking this year. Um, and there's no saying that he'd be able to just turn it back on in the championship. And to be frank, most of the team have been shocking this year, other well, than McGoldrick. <laughs> we we see it with players all the time. Was it was it Danny Graham who played well for Swansea for half a season, yeah. then lost his scoring touch, and then didn't couldn't find it at all even when he dropped into the championship at the start. Yeah. So you do see it all the time. Um, that is what it is, though. Teams coming up. Obviously, Norwich and mm-hmm. Watford already confirmed. Two back up. Um, Mike, we've talked about Norwich on this podcast and the concept of where they are as a club and almost being happy to yo-yo, but doing it in doing it in a sustainable manner. Um, obviously, they've been sensational this year, helped by the fact that they have kept their core together. How do you rate their chances of staying up next year? I think, I think personally, they've got a much better chance this time around than they did last time. They've, uh, they're still one of the one of the top scorers in the league, uh, in the championship. They've obviously got Pookie. They've still got Buendia, who's outrageous. They kept hold of Campwell. Um, still got Tim Krull, who's definitely a better goalkeeper than uh, the, the championship level. Yeah, I agree. And Kepper. Um, <laughs> I think. I think if they can recruit smartly, get a couple new faces in there to bolster a bit of quality. They've also, sorry, I forgot to mention a big thing about Norwich. They kept Daniel Farker, and that is massive. Yeah, um, you come back up, you've got your style of play. They've tightened up at the back, which is one of the big things this season. Mm-hmm. Um, which they just got wrecked when they were in the prem at the back. Mm-hmm. They were awful. They really did. They really did. Um, so if they can secure that a little bit and continue scoring some goals. They've got, a, I think they have got a better chance. And what what we were talking about last year maybe will come to fruition. They finally will stay up. Dave, are you, are you confident like Mike? Um, I'm I'm confident for Norwich. Yeah, um, I think like Mike says, they they kept the core players, they kept their coach, tightened up stuff that they needed to. I also think talked of uh, holding on to these other players. I think uh, keeping hold of Max Ahrens is really important because he's got to develop in a team that's actually not getting battered every week, mm-hmm. which I think is huge for any team's de- players' development. Um, and it reminds me a bit of Burnley when they used to they first came up with Dyche and they didn't. I think Norwich might feel the time's right for them to to really try and make a go of the Premier League. Yes, yeah, sustained um, success. And also, I would say this season, there's a few teams that will stay up where, like a Newcastle, for example, even Southampton, Palace, they could, um, yeah, they could come unstuck next year. So I don't think Norwich are going into a league where they're necessarily going to be like way worse than the existing teams in the league, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Brez, you've got a shoot off. Um, which is okay because I've still got EFL Harris with me here. But <laughs> yeah. Bef- before you go, down. before you go, Watford, do you like their chances of staying up? 
Yeah, again, really, really good at the back. They've only conceded 28 in their 44 mm-hmm. league games. Uh, and under the yeah, new no, manager, Cisco, 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 what like yeah, the like uh, the bloke who wrote Thong Song? I don't know who that is, but we'll carry Cisco, on. Cisco, Cisco the Dragon. No one knows. It's spelled Cisco with an X. I don't know. I don't know. This guy's spelled with an X, so that, that's pretty exotic. Um, it'll be interesting. There he goes. I think. <laughs> I think they've also got a decent chance of staying up. It will depend, obviously, on the likes of Burnley, Newcastle. Palace, etc. The, the usual suspects that are going to be down there. Uh, and as far as my pick, just quickly for the playoffs, because we're back, we're going to get onto that in a second. Uh, Barnsley. So well done, Dave, for that one. Look at him over there, spoiling the rest of the podcast. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm get gone. Thank okay. you, everyone. All right, Dave. Now, now the sensible one's gone. Are you telling me you really don't know what Thong Song is by Cisco? I don't know. Hold on, well. No, hold on, let me play. Let me play. Terrible song. Cisco. Oh, God. You know it? Yeah. Yeah, everyone knows it. Right. Anyway, oh, manager of Watford, everyone. Um, what do you think of Watford, though? Uh, I think they're a good team. Uh, they did. They've done sort of what I expected them to do. Um, however, to be fair, Norwich have exceeded what I thought. So I thought Watford would have actually won the league this year. Obviously, it doesn't look like they will. My one concern with Watford, uh, unlike Norwich, Norwich don't really have too many older players. However, Watford. They do have some older players still. Like I think even Cleverly's like 31, 32 now. Um, and also Troy Deeney, uh, don't get me wrong, obviously really instrumental in their dressing room. But you can't... I didn't think they could really get away with playing him last season. So realistically, their captain's not going to be on the pitch that much. Um, and also, they've still got players like Cathcart, Andre Gray... Um, and we already know the last time they're in the Prem, these players aren't actually that good in the Prem. So unless they seriously invest, I'm not massively sure how they can actually strengthen their squad. Because um, one thing you can look at Norwich is most of their players are quite young anyway. And they were young when they were last in the Prem. So you can sort of be like, OK, these guys should be better. Yeah, natural level of progression. Whereas, like, for example, I don't know, 30-year-old Andre Gray was terrible last time in the league. He's not even been that good this season. How is he going to be any different next next year at a higher level? That's sort of my concerns with them. But like Mike said, and, and I've alluded to, there's a few teams that, even though they're setting up this year, they're not exactly well, convincing. Man. So mm. if Watford... And, yeah, they've been great at the back. So if Watford can have that sort of stability in the pram that they should be. I think both teams will definitely challenge. I think it's always hard to say like, oh, this team are definitely going to stay up because you never know what they're actually going to be like and what the other teams around them are going to be like. But I don't look at this Norwich or Watford team and think, oh, these guys are really going to struggle. I think, I think they'll be competitive. Okay. Okay, um, so Mike hinted at it. We've actually got a listener question from Soccer Noob USA, which is a wonderful name. Um, they've sort of asked who we think's gonna, who might win from the playoffs from the four. So Mike mentioned Barnsley for a 
if for the, any championship novices out there, who are the other three teams in the mix, Dave? Uh, it's Brantford, Swansea and Bournemouth. Okay. Uh, do you agree with Mike that it's Barnsley? The I would love favorites? it to be Barnsley because you'd say they're the outsiders. Um, when it comes down to... Uh, so for context, well, so you've got Norwich on 93, Watford on 88. Third place, Brentford are 78. Fourth, fifth, sixth, Bournemouth, Swansea, uh, Barnsley are all on 77 points. Jesus. So there's literally nothing between these guys in the league. I even think when they've played each other, I don't think any of these teams have beat each other twice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're obviously going to end up playing each other. It's People would say Brentford, but like Brentford totally bottled it last year. So I'm not... They've got the... I think, I'd... I think to be honest, I'm going to go with uh, Bournemouth. I think they have the... Why? Because they have... For example, we have players like Brooks uh, and Dan Juma, who are, are way too good for the championship, in my opinion. So they have that bit of quality, but they also have some leaders um, who've been at the club for a while and have that experience. And I, I think when it comes to the playoffs, that experience is is key. Um, because, for example, Brentford's stumbling block is most of their players are young. And as great as they are, when they come to like a a big occasion, that's the biggest game that all of them have ever played in, which is why I don't really rate their chances. So when we do our pre-season podcast and how uh, Brentford walked the playoffs, <laughs> we can play this clip back. Because as, <laughs> as someone who's not particularly well-versed in the Championship, so I, I only, my thought is with Bournemouth, is, and I must admit, I heard some. I, heard, I was listening to They're radio just quickly, they're also red hot. Oh, yeah. they lost to Brentford at the weekend. Oh, what a time to say they're red hot. But seriously, like a lot of there's a spine to the Bournemouth team that were initially bought when they were trying to push for European places in the Premier League. Yeah, they were trying to get to that top level. So there is an undercurrent of talent in that squad. I mean, Ivan Tony, like you talk about Dan yes. Juma. You talk about Dan Juma being too good for the Championship. Yeah, is, Ivan, is, is Ivan Tony in that bracket? Yeah, to be fair, Tony, I'd say, other than Pookie, maybe, is, yeah, he's definitely best striker in the league. Those, those are like the top, top two strikers in the championship. Um, yeah, uh, it's a tough one to call because for once, all the teams are so almost like level pegging in the playoffs. Usually, there's from third to sixth, there's, you know, at least like a, five maybe even 10 point gap but there's literally one point between third and sixth at the moment so Some, yeah they're so all my, like the same level really my knowledge of barnsley is just that they're, a they're the best they they're the team that made two shows chelsea the most uncomfortable but west Brom. Yeah. um and they they play they barely have the ball but they were just absolutely incredible um mm. And Mike's, Mike's obviously picked the, the the one we haven't mentioned is Swansea. Now, they correct Swan- me if I'm wrong. They had a bit of a dip. Yeah, Swansea. Uh, I think we discussed it a few weeks ago, maybe a month or or two ago. Um, someone had asked us who we thought was was going up automatically with Norwich. I think at the time Mike said Swansea, and I thought Watford. Swansea had like a ten point gap over Watford at some point. Uh, or around that, and now they're nine points behind Watford. Um, they've been horribly off form. They even lost to us, I think, Swansea. Um, they were just 
basically just performing really, really well, but it turns out that's not who they really are. They were just yeah. on a great run of form, um, and they're not really at that level. Because cause hitting form at the right amount of time for a run-in does matter, particularly if you're picking up bad habits. But so that, To be fair, that's why Barnsley are probably one of the best shouts there. They've They've come from almost nowhere to with two games left of the season having already qualified for the playoffs so if you were to pick one to make the premier league which one would you like to make the premier league i'd like barnsley to make the premier league i think i would to a different club i mean i, I i've said it before i quite like having a welsh club in the premier league i just think it's nice it's because we've got too many clubs from the same the one same city to be honest i think we could do with her uh, without brentford um, as interesting also, they are as a story. Also, think Barnsley are like really, really well coached, so, and their their team's full of young players. So it'd be it'd be some achievement for those guys to come up. But but if you were picking one to to get in the Premier League, and you would, which one would you be most confident of those four that Bournemouth, gets Bournemouth, gets in the Premier Bournemouth. League and is safe? Bournemouth. Yeah, Bournemouth. I mean, the the spine of their midfield is. Jack Wilshire, Jefferson Lerma, and if he's fit, Lewis Kirk uh, for one of the other two. I mean, I'd say Lerma and Wilshire are probably better than some Premier League teams midfielders, really. So there's there's definitely that quality there. Okay, well, that's interesting. Um, hope you answered your question, Soccer Noob USA. Great name. I also had to read that a couple of times <laughs> when it came in. It is a really, it may be joking, yeah. it's, a really good, it's a really good name. Um, if you want to join in with Soccer Noob USA and you want to send us any questions, you can find us on all social medias at In Around Pod, including Weibo. Or you can send them to us on uh, via email, not on email, via email at inandaroundpod at gmail.com. But Dave, if the people want to find you, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, it's at Dave Harris underscore uh, 44. And um, before I let you go, have you got a stat of the week for me? Uh, yeah, I do. Unfortunately, Mike isn't here to listen to it because <laughs> I think it might have got under his skin. Is it Pogba? No, it, it might be worse, Will. So okay. between November 1993 and May 1995, Gary Pallister set the outfield record of consecutive minutes for Man United players, uh, which is 71 straight games of not missing a minute at the weekend harry maguire equaled that club record so if he in the next game plays 90 minutes harry maguire becomes the record consecutive minute outfield man united player in the premier league well that's some stat i mean to be fair to harry maguire he's not had a good defensive midfielder in front of him since he got to united it's no coincidence no it's true it's no coincidence that behind indeedy who is a who is an absolute just a, a juggernaut of a player. Oh, he yeah, he, he looked great. really competent. So and look at me defending Harry McGuire after slandering him for so long. But if you if you want to find Mike and you on Twitter and you want to tell him that stat, um, you can do so um, at Mikey Breslin at Mikey. I Breslin. think it's just at Mikey Breslin. At Mikey yeah. Breslin on Twitter. Um, but if not, again, just send it to us at in the round pod and he'll pick it up <laughs> that's what he does oh um, or just or just comment on joel linton and mike will pick it up by reading the comments because yeah. he loves everything joel linton posts. Here's, the, here's the joel linton report for you i'll do it this week shite <laughs> like every week shite <laughs> like even if he scores shite yeah um, i agree 
Yep. Wazak of the week, Dave. Um, I'm leaning uh, Daniel Levy, but you can you can send me another way if you want. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of. I don't even know. I, I've there was someone on my mind, uh, but I'm oh, just having a quick look at the. I feel I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm happy to put Daniel Levy just because of sacked a manager before a final to put Ryan Mason in charge. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure it's more Wazak than that, so I'm happy with Levy. Bizarre, bizarre. Um, and if you want to follow me, you can do so at Wilhunt17. But um, yeah, um, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been good fun, Dave, talking, talking a bit EFL, talking a bit, going down and discussing Spurs misery is always good fun. Yeah, always. Right, until uh, next week. Oh, Mike will be back with um, Henry Hodgson with hopefully a working mic this Friday for the betting pod. Uh, we haven't, they didn't do one last week, which is also coincidentally the, the first week where they hadn't lost any money, which is interesting. Well, um, I'll, let, I'll <laughs> let you in on something here. Uh, the reason the okay. Super League fell apart, Henry Hodgson actually bet on it happening. Um, <laughs> they found out and were like, no, no, this guy always gets it wrong. So... Well, my favourite thing, my favourite thing about Henry, Henry being on a betting podcast, is it's the first time I ever realised that he understood what a number is. <laughs> like the guy's a total idiot, total idiot. Oh, the best I, I, is if you get at the end of this pod, he hears his slander. Like, yeah, I just realised he always listens, so he'll be like, "Oh, it's quite cool." He talks about who's going up and and whatever, and then but suddenly he's through. assaulted. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so next time, we'll uh, we'll see you later. Cheers.